Welcome to the Insomnia Coach Podcast. My name is Martin Reed. I believe that by changing how we respond to insomnia and all the difficult thoughts and feelings that come with it, we can move away from struggling with insomnia and toward living the life we want to live. The content of this podcast is provided for informational and educational purposes only. It's not medical advice and is not intended to diagnose, treat, cure, or prevent any disease, disorder, or medical condition. It should never replace any advice given to you by your physician or any other licensed healthcare provider. Insomnia Coach LLC offers coaching services only and does not provide therapy, counseling, medical advice, or medical treatment. The statements and opinions expressed by guests are their own and are not necessarily endorsed by Insomnia Coach LLC. All content is provided as is and without warranties, either express or implied. Vicky dealt with her insomnia by taking sleeping pills, and this seemed to work well until one night, after 20 years of regular use, the medication didn't help her sleep. This led Vicky to think that something was wrong with her. She felt alone. She felt that without getting the amount of sleep she wanted to get, she would be unable to take care of her children and she wouldn't be able to be the person she wanted to be or live the life she wanted to live. She started to experience a lot of anxiety and would wake up in the middle of the night and have panic attacks. This all led Vicky to explore a new approach to insomnia that involved letting go of the struggle. She began to recognize that difficult thoughts and feelings, although very unpleasant, didn't need to prevent her from doing things that mattered, so she didn't need to engage in a battle with them. Vicky started to allow her mind to think what it wanted to think, and to generate the full range of human feelings and emotions. She started to acknowledge and make space for thoughts and feelings, even though she often wished they weren't showing up, instead of going to war with them. She committed to doing things that were important and meaningful, even after difficult nights, and even in the presence of uncomfortable thoughts and feelings. Today, Vicky still experiences some difficult nights from time to time, but she is no longer engaged in an exhausting and distracting battle with her mind throughout the day and throughout the night. She's living the kind of life she wants to live, even when difficult nights happen, and even when uncomfortable thoughts and feelings show up. In fact, Vicky now thinks of her insomnia as a gift, as something that has helped her become more resilient and better able to react in a more workable way to the difficulties we all experience as human beings. A full transcript of this podcast and an accompanying video can be found at insomniacoach.com forward slash podcast. Okay, so Vicky, thank you so much for taking the time out of your day to come onto the podcast. Yeah, absolutely. I'm really grateful to be here. Thank you. I'm really looking forward to everything that we're hoping to cover today. So let's just dive right in at the start. If you could just tell us when your sleep problems first began and what you think caused those initial issues with sleep. 
Um, I'll start like right from the very beginning where um, it all started kind of in my teens. And I think it's about like when I was 17, um, I got my very first early morning job. And um, of course, that kind of got my nerves going before when I go to bed. And it actually, um, I didn't sleep well. Um, but then going on forward with that job, like I kind of had a hung on to that, um, problem of like, and stress about like not being able to sleep. Um, I also have a background where my father has insomnia too. So being around a house of not good sleep was kind of normal. And, um, I went to him because I like he had the same kind of problems. So obviously, you know, he was probably a good person to go to at that time. And so um, he is on he's commonly on Zoplicone. The blue pill is like what people commonly known it is as. Um, but yeah, he gave me one of those and it worked fine. And from then, um, I just started taking a little bit of it, like maybe a quarter, like not even the full thing. Um, but that just began the habit of um, relying on sleeping pills whenever I had um, an early morning. So then, you know, fast forward into my 20s, it would be like every day before I um, go to bed for work. Um, very manageable. Um, and then on the weekends, I would be totally off of it. So really, it was psychological. Um, if you think about it. Um, and then fast forward again until my like late thirties. Now, um, I have three kids and the first two were fine with sleep and everything. Um, the third one, um, I'm not sure what changed, but I think it was cause of my third, like it was like all these little pieces of puzzles that kind of came into place and it fit really well to create this big monster of like insomnia, anxiety, and stress. Um, it was my third one and it was going to be our last one. So I was very cherishing that moment. And then when the infant stage kind of moved on, I was grieving that stage and she just grew up so fast. And um, I think I was kind of sad that way. And then at the same time, I uh, just cut off nursing in like right off. And, um, that was hard too. And I think because of that, there was also a lot of hormones related to like, you know, not breastfeeding anymore. Um, and so I had a very hard time letting go of that. Um, plus then, you know, going to sleep, I was thinking about that. And there was one night that just triggered everything where I couldn't sleep. So I was like, oh, I'm just going to take this sleeping pill. I took half, it didn't work. I took another half and it didn't work. And I was like, okay, should I overdose? Like, I don't want to overdose on this. So like, I'm right. like, the sleeping pill's not working. So this is a problem. And then that, you know, ignited a lot of, lot of stuff like anxiety and then panic attacks in the middle of the night um, I would wake up in the middle of the night and have a panic attack and then not be able to fall asleep. So it really spiraled downwards um, in 2021 of 
Yeah, September. Yeah. This, you know, I think um, I hear that quite a lot. I'm thinking just to myself that I think a lot of people are going to identify with that process where you have like the sleeping pill or the supplement or whatever that external thing is that we kind of rely on as a crutch to get us through difficult nights. Um, mm -hmm. And those things tend to be fine for as long as they like they have an effect, right? But then mm -hmm. the downside is that when that experience happens where we use that crutch and it doesn't seem to have an effect, then we can just become so much more worried than perhaps we would have done if that crutch wasn't even available to us because now we're taking that thing that we've mm -hmm. always believed will generate sleep for us and even that's not working now and that can really be quite scary mm -hmm. um was that the, yes. was that the case for you and you found that wasn't helping anymore yeah so once the sleeping pill didn't work like um it was very scary uh, cause it's, a, it's, it's worked for me for like the last 20 years. Right. And, um, I'm taking like one and a half of the amount that I used to take at least. Right. And so I'm like, yeah, there's something wrong with me. Um, the feelings of like, you know, there's something wrong and I'm the only one because, you know, like sleeping pills should be working for everyone, especially the prescription ones. Um, so yeah, it was, it caused a lot of anxiety and stress. Um, yeah. 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 It's, it's really interesting. This whole like relationship we can have with just, just use sleeping pills. It really doesn't matter. It's just whatever that external thing is that we, mm -hmm. we try that we rely on or we see as a safety net. I think what happens is it's a comfort, right? So we take that kind of pill. We know from experience that now sleep is going to happen. So all that kind of worry, that pressure we might be putting on ourselves to sleep, that effort we might be putting into sleep, we kind of mm -hmm. just drop all that struggle. And I think yeah. that might be like one of the real mechanisms behind how they actually work. It's less to do with whatever's in, in what we're taking and more to do mm -hmm. with just taken that I've taken that thing now I can relax I don't have to yeah. worry I don't have to fight with my mind I don't have to try anymore and it's that yeah. abandonment of the trying um, yeah. that tends to generate that good sleep and so then going back to your your experience okay I've taken this pill but if there's still that big underlying anxiety or worry or stress going on you know the mind is still going to be churning over that and so then we find mm -hmm. oh now this pill isn't isn't working and you know, i hate using the air quotes but it's not working you know it's not i'm not getting the desired result and just mm -hmm. like you said then you just start to get really worried because now it's like well this isn't even working now what's going on mm -hmm. like this is i must be unique but it's mm -hmm. not you know it's just down to the fact that at the end of the day we haven't got to the root cause you know that root problem of what's creating this long-term sleep disruption um yeah and i'm sure we'll get to talk some more about that but really it just comes down to our relationship with all those thoughts and feelings that are going on in our mind and often a change in our behaviors as we try to protect our sleep try and make more sleep happen um, mm -hmm. and just fix the problem that we're dealing with right mm -hmm. and actually um that's kind of how I found out about your podcast actually was, oh, okay. I was, I felt alone, but I was like, realistically, I can't be alone. So I just searched up, you know, like insomnia and like just 
anything to to help me during the day to listen to other people's stories mm. and and I did listen to one of your podcasts with a lady. I think she was a mother too. And somehow she went on the sleeping pill and it didn't work for her. So that was really, um, I mean, it didn't solve my problem, but it was like very comforting to, to know yeah. that and hear uh, like a real true story that someone, it wasn't working for someone else. And so that's when I really started to like do my research and start doing more digging. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, yeah. And, you know, this is exactly why I'm so grateful for guests like yourself coming on and just talking about this, because it can be so helpful, so comforting just to know mm -hmm. that you're not alone, right? That, that what you're yeah. going through isn't unique or unusual. That in itself can just be so reassuring. And like you said, it's not going to necessarily fix everything. Just knowing that isn't going to fix everything, but yeah. it's just so reassuring. So, yeah, mm -hmm. um, I'm, I'm really grateful for you coming on just to talk 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 about this in your own words because uh, it is yeah. really helpful for so Likewise, many people yeah. mm -hmm. so so let's just rewind a little bit so you had you know that really difficult night when the medication just didn't seem to work um how did how do you think that then progressed on to you know subsequent nights of sleep disruption because you know you've got this long history of sleep disruption before um ups and downs what was it do you think this time around the after that really difficult night when the medication didn't seem to work, the kind of, why, why do you feel like things didn't kind of bounce back and recover? Why, why did things progress and stick around, do you think? Um, I think just because, like, the realization that the sleeping pill can not work was mm. a big one, and I didn't have that crutch anymore, and then it just, like, I didn't even think that, you know, the sleeping pill wouldn't work, right? I never had that thought before. So then since then, that it didn't work, it just, it was like in my head, like then your brain's like, it's not going to work. It's not going to work. Like, what if it doesn't work? You're, you're going to be up all night and then your entire day, the next day is going to be screwed. And, you know, you're not going to be able to take care of your children properly. You're going to be like short tempered, impatient. You're going to be a ma bad mother, like all those stuff start to creep in and and yeah like that's that's just very stressful and lots of anxiety around that especially when you're alone at night right it gets yeah. really lonely because there's really no one to talk to at that point and i guess when you're feeling like that you really want someone to be with you i think like that for me at least and so it's like it's a very stressful and also very scary time because like the night can be so long if you're not sleeping and then at that time you're just like all by yourself too and you're like what do I do like um you know I tried like all sorts of stuff and it's like it what just didn't work so yeah so what what were the nights like at that time was it just really you were just finding it hard to first fall asleep at the start of the night or was it to do with waking and finding it hard to fall back to sleep or was it just you know all of the above um, yeah, it started, I mean, my whole entire insomnia experience always started with just falling asleep. Um, and then after that, it'd be fine. Like I could wake up, go to the washroom, whatever. It's fine. I could go back to sleep. Um, but after that night, that like big night of like the sleepy pill not working, then even when I fall asleep, um, I would be woken up by, I don't know, I have children, right? Like they, they would wake us up sometimes or, 
my partner likes snoring that would wake me up and that would be like oh my god like now i can't what if i can't fall asleep so i'll hold on to that which obviously is not the way to fall back asleep but you know like a lot of people out there they probably don't know it's just like the best is just to like let go right which is also the hardest yeah. thing to do right time. yeah it's so easy to yeah. say that isn't it well just let go yeah. just just yeah. don't you know don't totally. don't think of anything think positive or mm -hmm. um but yeah actually yeah. doing it is is very difficult um yeah so you, you kind of touched on this before that you know when we have a problem we try and fix it right um so mm -hmm. you obviously tried tried some different things um before finding this collection of tools which we will definitely discuss that you did find helpful but before you got to that point where you were actually doing stuff that looking back, this was what was really, truly the good stuff, you know, the gold that was really helpful. What kind of things had you tried um, to try and turn things around that on reflection perhaps weren't, weren't that helpful, maybe even ended up being a bit of a distraction? Ooh, there's probably many. Um, like a distraction, I would say like it was just more like a stress around preparing for sleep so mm. um like i would do a lot of you know yin yoga or yoga nidra um but it was it was a way to relax but then um i kind of got stressed out like oh i need to like set aside at least half an hour before going to sleep so i can do my like yoga and stretches uh, or meditation and um I think that was a bit of a distraction because like I'm, I'm already creating that worry pre bedtime. And then if let's say I can't get that in because like the night was just so crazy, then it would create like the, this, the level of stress would be like kicked up a notch. Right. Um, yeah. so, I mean, those things are good, but then I don't know, for someone who has trouble sleeping it might not be, or at least for me, it was, more of a distraction, like you said. Yeah. 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 I, th I think it just comes down to intent, right? Because, like you said, all these things, they're not necessarily harmful, but anything that we do with the goal of generating sleep, you know, we're just putting more pressure on ourselves and it kind of takes away the whole purpose of whatever we're doing, you know? So, yeah. um, many, when I'm, many of my clients, they talk about meditation and relaxation techniques and stuff like that. And certainly I'm never going to say, don't do that. It's a bad thing. Mm -hmm. How can that be a bad thing? But if yeah. we're doing it, you know, like we've got this really set rituals, like half an hour before bed, I have to do this meditation routine or this breathing exercise. Um, yeah. I've got to do it in order to make sleep happen or to help me feel more relaxed for sleep to happen. Yeah. We're just immediately making ourselves less relaxed because we're putting all this pressure on ourselves to, first of all, do this routine or ritual if we don't mm -hmm. like you said then we become really worried now i, I missed that opportunity and second of yeah. all the whole time we're doing it that we're trying to let go we're trying to relax we're trying to be more present we're doing it with the goal of influencing something that's going to happen in the future that we have no control over so it kind of mm -hmm. really becomes self-defeating um and right. i think that's that's where we we can really get tripped up with all this sleep hygiene stuff you know that we that is so prevalent out there i think it can mm -hmm. be helpful as a preventative thing maybe you know if we're kind of mm -hmm. burning the candle at both ends but other than that mm -hmm. we sleep great then yeah sure let's do an unwind an unwinding time 
Um, yeah. Let's just make sure the temperature of our bedroom is optimal, for example. But if we're yeah. dealing with chronic insomnia, you know, no amount of sleep hygiene is going to help. And it can actually be more of a hindrance because we end up just adding more of these rituals and more of these sleep efforts to our lives. And when they don't work, which is to be actually happens. to be expected, yeah, yes, then we become happens. more worried. It's like when that pill doesn't work, mm -hmm. right? Oh, this sleep mm -hmm. hygiene that everyone's telling me about, even that's not working. I must be truly mm -hmm. unique and truly broken. Yeah. But it's normal and it's to be expected. We just want to get to that yeah. point where we're not engaged in all those efforts where we just drop that struggle. Yeah. Yeah. Like, honestly, I've used everything and all of the tools around like better sleep, relaxing, uh, just does not work for, for me, at least with the insomnia, yeah. like do the, you know, the blue light cancellation um, glasses, <laughs> all the different yeah. supplements you can think of vitamins, magnesium, melatonin, uh, yeah. Yeah. There's like lots of supplements. And it was like, that was in itself stressful. Like, oh, I've got to take this like 30 minutes before bedtime. Um, and sometimes I would forget. I'm like, oh no, like then get out of bed and like, go get, go get those supplements and eat that. And yeah. then it doesn't work. And so it creates a whole, whole level of anxiety again, which yeah. Yeah, it's just the effort that you put into it. <laughs> That you're yeah. not supposed to but yeah you just don't realize that you're doing all of that stuff yeah yeah and it's it's understandable why we would do that right because when we have a problem we want to put effort into the solution um yeah but unfortunately sleep is kind of this unique thing where it doesn't respond well to effort so the more we try yeah. the more we struggle that's really what it yeah. comes down to um yeah and with insomnia when we think about it what's our brain's number one job is to look out for us is to protect us so mm -hmm. it's going to tell us it's going to generate all these difficult thoughts these difficult feelings and emotions not to make us feel bad but to actually look out for us to try and help mm -hmm. us you know to help us look for a solution um to help us mm -hmm. live the life we want to live to be aware of threats and risks right mm -hmm. none of us would be alive today if our brain didn't do that but when we're really mm -hmm. struggling the brain can kind of goes into overdrive. It tries so hard to help us that it actually yeah. ends up getting in the way. Um, and I think yeah. the more we engage in those efforts to change how we feel, sometimes then the brain thinks, you're not listening to me. Why are you not listening to me? This is serious. And so it screams mm -hmm. even louder at us, you know, and generates even more intense and difficult thoughts and feelings. And the yeah. more we try to make sleep happen, the more we reinforce to the brain that, wow, this wakefulness is serious. It's a real threat. Maybe it's, it's a danger. You know, we've, you've got to be alert during the night to protect me from being awake. Yeah. Yeah. And then as soon as we're telling the brain to be alert for wakefulness, it's going to make sleep difficult, right? Because we all recognize mm -hmm. that an alert brain probably mm -hmm. isn't going to be helpful if our goal is to sleep. Yeah. So true. Like, yeah. Then your bed to kind of your bed and your pillow turns into like something that's like an alert for your brain instead of yeah. it's time to like relax. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. It's like, it's the, there's this, uh, as far as your brain's concerned, there's this imaginary 600 pound gorilla just sitting in your bed, waiting to, <laughs> waiting to maul you as soon as you, soon yeah, as you climb totally. in, you know, the, yeah. the brain just can't tell the difference between a real physical threat, like that gorilla on the bed yeah. and this perceived threat, which is yeah, wakefulness. 
it's funny because uh, I had no problem, you know, like if we're on the couch watching a movie and I'd like doze off, that'd be okay. Or, you know, like sometimes when I meditate, I can easily fall asleep. But when it comes to like real bedtime and then putting your head on that pillow, it's like it just your heart starts to pump and then your brain just starts going. So that's so true. It's kind of interesting yeah. how how that all works. But yeah. It, re it really is interesting. I agree with you. And again, mm -hmm. it just comes down to that, the, the brain looking out for us, really. Um, so before we, to use your example, you know, let's say you're watching TV earlier in the evening, you know, it's not time to go to bed. So you're not mm -hmm. trying to make sleep happen. You're not yeah. trying to avoid being awake at night. You know, there's no mm -hmm. effort, there's no pressure. So you really mm -hmm. feel that sense of sleepiness mm -hmm. and when it's time to go to bed, you know, yeah. now it's, Okay, you flip that switch. Now you're donning that suit of armor. It's battle time. You know, I've got to avoid yeah. being awake. I've got to make sure I fall asleep in a certain amount of time. I've got to make sure I don't wake up. All this pressure, you know, that we're yeah. putting on ourselves and the brain's trying its hardest to protect us. We're, we're probably not going to feel sleepy. You know, mm -hmm. um, it's like mm -hmm. anytime we're going into battle, we're not going to feel sleepy. Um, yeah. So really, we want to get to a point where we're just dropping that battle. Um, Mm -hmm. which is hard to do because all of our instincts are telling us, you know, avoid this wakefulness. We need sleep to happen. It feels so mm -hmm. good to get that sleep. Mm -hmm. It feels yeah. so good to have those thoughts that you can sleep and not to deal with all these thoughts that it's going to be another one of those nights. But the more mm -hmm. we struggle with sleep and those thoughts and feelings, unfortunately, the more we get tangled up in that, in that struggle and that battle. Yeah, for sure. Yeah. So, so let's talk about some of the stuff that you did and was the reason why, why we're talking today. Um, you know, I don't have a, a set list, uh, like a set list or anything. I'd love to just hear your thoughts on things that you did find helpful, um, that were, that, that, you know, helped you over the longer term, maybe were really difficult in the short term, but actually proved mm -hmm. to be helpful over the longer term. Um, yeah, like, I said before, uh, I found your podcast and started listening to that one lady. And then, um, that led me to like, listen it like to the other ones too. And, um, in general, I found a common pattern. Um, and it's like, I wasn't the only one and it's like everyone out there. And most of these people are like chronic insomniacs. Right. Um, so then I, I went into um, more research, like around your podcast and um, the stuff that you do, like the work that you did. Um, and then I signed up for your emails, which then you um, started sending me the day one to day seven uh, daily emails, which were really good, helpful tips. So that combined with um, the podcast, I started to realize, you know, some more things. And then, um, I, I had a really good psychologist that I go to. So I started talking to her. Um, and then she also had like some live in-person, uh, workshops, not around insomnia, but just around anxiety and worry, which, um, is kind of closely related. Um, and I just, it just get really getting out there to talk to someone really helped and mm. a group of people too, um, that she hosted was really helpful. Like just to have people that are 
in the same path and like in the same boat um, really helps just to even talk about it. Um, and then you also mentioned a lot about CBTI, which is the cognitive behavioral therapy. Um, and I got help with that too. Um, but yeah, just really, I, at the end of the day, like you can get all these tools, but you just have to work on it yourself too. Like at, when it comes to nighttime, that's the hardest part. And I mean, it was difficult. I'm not going to lie, but, um, it's kind of like short-term pain, long-term gain. Um, the idea of, or the thought of not being able to sleep still, I still think about it every night just cause it's just been this ingrained neural path in my brain. That's, yeah. you know, stayed with me for, or been with me for maybe 25 years now. Right. So, um, but the key is, it's just, you just kind of relearn that, you know, if I let go, if I actually let go, I can fall asleep. And if I don't, I'm still going to function and I'm still going to be that, you know, mother that can take care of my kids. Like it's not going to be the end of the world. I'm not going to accidentally kill them or, you know, like, um, your brain is really good at thinking, um, catastrophically, like you just make it so bad or seem like it's going to be so bad. But really, when you're actually doing it the next day, it's like, yeah, you're going to feel kind of drowsy and maybe not at your best, but you're not just going to be at your worst. So yeah, those types of those tips really helped like a lot. Yeah. And, mm -hmm. you know, that catastrophizing, what, what's the brain doing there? It's just trying to look out for you. It always wants to mm -hmm. kind of present the worst case scenario just to make sure that you listen and that we take steps to avoid that from happening. And sometimes, well, probably most of the time that's really helpful. You know, um, we're going to cross the street. Ah, make sure you look both ways. What if you get mowed down? Your family's all going to starve. Then you're not going to be there for them, <laughs> et cetera, et cetera. Right. And it makes us yeah. look both ways. Great. Thanks yeah. brain. But yeah. When it comes to stuff like sleep that we have no control over, you know, those, those thoughts can be really difficult and we can easily get really tangled up in them and believe that they're, 100% true, you know, think of them as facts, um, mm -hmm. think of them as a reflection of who we are, think of them as an obstacle to the kind of person we want to be. Mm -hmm. But the truth is, it's just the brain looking out for us, you know, and yeah. sometimes just yeah. acknowledging that, you know, sometimes just that just really simply just being like, okay, thanks, brain. Thanks. Thanks yeah. for looking out for me, you know, yeah. and just letting that sit, not trying to push it away, not trying to tell the brain, don't try and protect me, don't try and look out for me. But just let mm -hmm. that, that thought, you know, just kind of sit next to you, just redirect your focus and your attention elsewhere, you know, and yeah. you kind of yeah. said letting go. Um, just to clarify, by letting go, do you just mean kind of dropping that struggle, you know, trying to push or avoid certain thoughts or feelings? Or would just like to hear your thoughts more on, you know, what you mean by that? And if someone's listening, that's like, yeah, I'd love to let go. How do I do that? Yeah. Um, no, that's a great question, actually. Um, for me, when I start to feel that anxiety, um, I mean, which I still do, um, yeah. on, on some days, like there's just those one of, one of those days, like maybe once a week, you know, I'll get that, like, I can't sleep. I have a big day tomorrow. 
Uh, so when I start to feel that during bedtime, I would just let it in. Like I would try to feel it. Be like, mm. okay, kind of like talking to your brain, but like, okay, anxiety. Like, thank you for you know warning me. Thank you for coming, coming in and dropping in. Um, and just in like before, it was like when you when I felt so anxious, it was like that right away feeling like like oh my god, like I need this to go right. Um, but yeah. now it's like. You still want to do that, but instead you just kind of like invite it and just be like, okay, let me feel all the anxiety right now. Like, you know, my, just to kind of like accept it. And then when you do, it's like, it kind of just, it's it feels heard or seen or something. And then it's like, oh, okay, well there's like, she's listening to me and now I can let go. So for me, that's how the process kind of works is just to let it, just to feel it and stop pushing it away because the more you resist the harder it comes yeah. through um so yeah like just to accept it and then it just kind of just eases out and it and that's when you can let it go yeah so let me let me ask this do you find that you know when you're really caught up in in like really anxious thoughts and feelings um you know you mentioned that in the past you've even experienced panic attacks do you find that it's it's kind of like when we're when we're really experiencing a lot of anxiety, it feels like it's just going to get more and more intense, right? It's just going to keep ratcheting up and getting worse and worse and worse until something awful happens. Mm-hmm. Um, but in reality, and sometimes it can be helpful to just recognize this that it does eventually reach kind of like a plateau. Um, it's like a wave in the ocean, you know, that, that wave can grow and grow and grow. And it looks like it's just going to wash over you and take you down. Um, but eventually it does kind of recede a little bit, you know, this, this wave can't grow indefinitely. It does kind mm-hmm. of go get really high and then kind of fall again. And then sure, it might come back and get a little bit higher or get almost as high, but then it goes down again. Mm-hmm. But do you think it's helpful just recognizing and acknowledging that this is starting to feel really unpleasant, but maybe I can just kind of ride it out. You know, it's as, as long as I can try and let go and just drop that struggle sooner or later, that wave is going to reach its maximum height and it's, mm-hmm. it will start, start to fall back down again. Yeah, absolutely. I think that's kind of exactly what I do by accepting it and like riding, yeah, like riding the wave. Um, mm-hmm. It's like just the more you just kind of let it do its thing, it will come down eventually. I mean, and for me, it's, it's always came down. It's like this too shall pass, right? Like everyone says. So, yeah. And I do, I do now like for sure get out of bed when I do feel anxious. So my brain does not, um, relate my bed as a place of anxiety. So I'll just get out of bed and go to my little meditation place and just sit there for a little bit and just ride that out. But it's like, once I'm out of that bed and like, I, I let myself feel all the emotions or anxiety, um, things tend to calm down. And sometimes, you know, it may not like, I'll, I'll try that, like that whole cycle, maybe two, three, four or five times a night, but I'll just repeat that whole cycle again and again, and, and just get out of bed, you know, ride it out, get out of bed, ride it out, go back to bed kind of thing. So yeah that's kind of the technique now yeah and i think that 
I think if nothing else, the reason why I like this idea of just getting out of bed when it doesn't feel good to be in bed mm-hmm. is it just gives us the opportunity to make being awake, we're awake anyway, mm-hmm. it just gives you that opportunity to make being awake a bit more pleasant, you know, so mm-hmm. instead of just being engaged in that battle of trying to make sleep happen, tossing and turning, all that unpleasantness, how about we just yeah. do something that makes being awake more pleasant? You know, right. that, that makes not only makes being awake a little bit more tolerable, but again, mm-hmm. it comes back to training the brain that, oh, maybe being awake isn't a danger. You know, maybe it's not this physical threat that that it might be mm-hmm. um, because you're actually kind of enjoying this wakefulness. So maybe yeah. I don't have to be quite so alert to protect you from, from, from mm-hmm. being awake at night. And that in turn obviously creates better conditions for sleep to happen. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. Yeah. So, uh, we, I love that we've talked a lot about this kind of letting go and dealing with that anxiety. Um, again, I think people listening to this are going to be, yeah, that makes total sense. Um, maybe they've tried this, you know, I've tried fit, allowing this worry, this anxiety to happen, but still struggling with it, still finding sleep difficult. Um, I think it's helpful to emphasize that this is a whole new way of 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 developing a relationship with our thoughts and our feelings and our emotions and so i think it takes time um it's not just going to be all right i'm really struggling tonight okay i'm going to allow these thoughts these feelings and then suddenly we feel better or suddenly we fall we fall asleep um i'd just like to hear your experience a little bit more on that process you know was there a lot of a lot of practice was it really challenging like how how long was it taking you to notice a change in the effect of difficult thoughts um on how you felt and how you slept yeah on my end with my experience it took a longer time um just because i had also goals of um tapering off the pill and mm. So it started in September. I went to seek help around November. Um, and then I didn't actually get medical help until December ish. Um, and it was just the slow process of like trying to accept, um, each idea one at a time. So it would be like, um, letting go would be a big one. Um, but then that aside, I was always taking the pill too, just to like, I don't, um, so the sleep doctor that I was talking to was like, don't try to just do everything all at once because Mm, that might be a huge, you know, like stress on you just to, you know, to sleep. And that's not what we want. So we did little like steps, baby steps at a time. And the longest one was just trying to taper off the sleeping pill, um, Mm -hmm. which was a really, uh, it was a good technique, but it took long. Like it would be like, find one night in this whole week that you think, or you just try without the sleeping pill. So it'd be maybe more like a weekend where I can, you know, have like a really bad night of sleep or no sleep at all. And then I'll be okay because, you know, I've got my partner around to, take care of the kids or whatever. Mm -hmm. Um, And then if I'm confident for like one night a week, then I would 
move on to the next week, which would be like two nights in the week where, you know, I'm going to try no sleeping pill. Um, but I mean, like, it's not every week I would jump or go to like three and four or five nights. It's like, if I'm only confident at two, I would, I would, um, stay, stick to two nights every week until I built that confidence and then I'll go to three nights. So that kind of dragged along pretty for a long time until, I don't know. I just, it suddenly happened that I was like, I, I, there was one night I forgot even to take it when I was supposed to, cause they, you know, like they make you track stuff on a worksheet and I just start, I didn't really track it anymore. And then I forgot about it. And then I woke up the next morning. It was very happy that I was able to like, just even like forget. Um, and now I've developed this thought that, or realization, maybe we should call that is when I do take the pill, it will take the worries and whatever away and the trying and the, you know, the anxiety. But when I wake up in the morning, I feel just as crappy as maybe having no sleep. I was like, it's not worth it. I mean, it's kind of the same if I'm not going to sleep good tonight or take it. Like I'm going to feel like the same the next day. So mm. I just decided not to. Sometimes you even feel better. Like if you have a poor night's sleep without the pill, I realized. I love how we've talked about, you know, all these thought processes and that it's difficult and that it takes time. Um, mm -hmm. that we've talked about, you know, that when you come from a place where you've been taking medication for a long time, that there's also another journey, it's another, another challenge to kind of move away from that. Mm -hmm. You touched upon <clears throat> the behavioral side of things in terms of getting out of bed to do something more appealing. If being in bed doesn't feel good, something that a lot of people with chronic insomnia can, can do in a bid to kind of chase sleep or make sleep happen is just spending a lot more time in bed than maybe they ever did in the past. Um, so mm -hmm. we might go to bed earlier because we just feel really fatigued, right? And we want more mm -hmm. sleep to happen. So mm -hmm. we might go to bed earlier or stay in bed later in the morning. Um, and often that's one of these things that can actually perpetuate the sleep disruption because we end up going to bed before we're sleepy enough for sleep. Um, we can kind of stay in bed in the morning at all different times, which can be kind of disruptive to our body clock. And if we get out late in the morning, get out of bed late in the morning, we're going to be awake for less time during the day to build mm -hmm. up that sleep drive to help us sleep the following night. So often we see, often it's suggested to a lot, a little bit less time for sleep, you know, uh, spend an amount of time in bed. that's a bit closer to what your current circumstances are, the amount of sleep you're currently averaging. Um, mm -hmm. Was this something that was relevant to you in your experience? Or was it a change that you made? I'm curious to, to hear your thoughts and experience with that. Yeah, um, it was very relevant. Um, I was told to like the same thing is to sleep kind of around the time you are sleepy. Um, everyone has like, kind of their natural biological clock uh, for sleeping and waking up. And uh, we kind of had that, like had to figure out when my sleep time was and when my wake time was. And um, it was a bit of more of a strict plan at first, cause it's, you know, trying to train the brain, some new things and to adapt 
Um, so it was like for me, sleep around 11 and then would wake up at around 6.30. And it and I say strict because like um, I would do that kind of on the weekends as well for a little bit until, I don't know, until like I was just used to it. But um, yeah, they also like, you know, the, the sleep doctors also told me like, you still have to live your life. And you're going to have those weekends where, you know, people are coming over or you're going over to a friend's house or, you know, we have parties and weddings and all that stuff. So, um, like those things need to be okay too in your life. Cause if you start, if you stick with this strict plan, um, then that's going to start to stress you out if you have other things in life that come in. Right. And, um, and that is exactly what I was thinking. And I had that question on my mind too. I'm like, I can't, well, if this is my life, then this is kind of, it would kind of suck, right? I'm going to be missing out on stuff. Um, but yeah, the, the, at first it'll be a little bit strict or at least it was for me. And then after it's like, once that confidence came in and, you know, the routine was like, I can actually do this. And that just, you know, like it kind of, it really worked. What you said there is really helpful because it can be helpful or useful at first to be kind of have a more strict kind of routine. You know, I'm not going to allow myself to go to bed, for example, before 11 o'clock. So I want to make sure that I'm really sufficiently sleepy enough for mm -hmm. sleep to happen. And I mm -hmm. want to try and make sure that I'm always out of bed around the same time every day in the morning, you know, to help anchor my biological body clock and to make sure that I'm giving my body enough time awake during the day to help build that sleepiness for the next night. But yeah. at the same time, we don't want it to interfere with our life because ultimately, you know, what we do with our life, our actions are way more influential over the kind of life we live than how we sleep. Um, mm -hmm. It's really what we do. So we don't yeah. want to be like, oh, I can't go out with friends tonight because I'm not going to be able to go to bed at a certain time. You know, I'm not yeah. going to be able to do all this stuff that makes my life meaningful and rich um, because mm -hmm. it might interfere with the, with the plan or with the schedule. Um, mm -hmm. So I think, yeah, it can be helpful, you know, in the short term, maybe be a little bit stricter just to get those early results, you know, to start feeling that really strong sense of sleepiness, which mm -hmm. can actually be really reassuring when that returns because we can yeah. just be so used to that feeling of fatigue, right? Just grogginess and feeling worn down, yeah. which isn't the same as sleepiness. So when that sense of sleepiness comes back, it can be really reassuring. And when mm -hmm. we notice some early improvements, then we can kind of be a little bit less strict with ourselves, you know, and just be like, you know, I'll aim to make sure I'm not going to bed before a certain time. But if I feel really sleepy before then, I'll allow myself to go to bed then. If it's mm -hmm. the weekend, maybe I'll allow myself to sleep in for half an hour or an hour, you know? Yeah. Um, yeah. I think that's a, that's a good, that's a good process to follow. And it sounds like that's what you found to be helpful for yourself. Yeah. I've just been a lot more lenient and like, especially weekends, be like, I can sleep in a bit more. Like I'll, I'll, it would be like the one hour, like sleeping more. And yeah. um, it's just that, again, it's that confidence. Like I can, I can sleep tonight. And, and if I don't like, you know, everyone has a bad night of sleep, even the sleepers or people that are good sleepers, right? Like everyone has bad, like that's just natural. Like there's nothing wrong with that. And you just have to learn to accept that. And if you do have a bad night of sleep, like you're not gonna not function like you can still function. So, 
Yeah, that's reassuring. Yeah, even when it feels like we just can't function, right? We can always, at even the most basic level, we can still breathe, we can still yeah. drink water, we can still eat. So yeah. it, it just comes down to the, it's that brain again, right? It's just trying so hard to look out for us. It's like, look, you've got to make this, this has got to be fixed. We're not going to be yeah. able to do anything. Mm -hmm. um, but the truth of the matter is, you know, the brain tells us one thing, but we can still do other things. You know, yeah. our brain could tell us, don't lift up your right hand we can still lift up our right hand you know we we still so get to true. choose how we respond to all that stuff the brain is generating but it takes practice it's really hard to kind of separate ourselves from those thought processes because they can feel they are just so intense and mm -hmm. they they just feel so genuine and it's so easy to just have that wave crash over us and just sweep us away um it really does take a lot of practice to change that relationship i think yeah absolutely it's not an easy fix but it is fixable are you telling me that you never have any difficult nights anymore <laughs> no i'm not saying that for sure not even just last night it was kind of difficult i think at least there's still one night out of the week where it's not it's not like very bad but like it's still i won't get the ideal amount of sleep that i wanted so yeah and it happens yeah i think i think it's so important to just recognize that we all have difficult nights from time to time you know so it's mm -hmm. kind of a loaded question because i was secretly hoping that you were going to be honest and say yeah <laughs> i do still have difficult nights from time to time because everyone does yeah. um yeah. i think what the the change is what the difference is is your reaction to it you know so instead mm -hmm. of it being one the default kind of reaction um you know which is all trying to battle with all those stressful thoughts and the anxiety that the the brain is generating to try and help you out mm -hmm. um kind of changing our behaviors during the day you know maybe canceling plans as a result and really kind of getting caught up tangled up in the struggle what's tonight gonna bring all that stuff the transformation happens when you realize that, okay, I've had this difficult night or I'm having this difficult night. There are things I can do in response, you know, so during the night I can do something a bit more appealing if it doesn't feel good to be in bed. Mm -hmm. During the day, I don't have to use all of my energy trying to push all these thoughts and emotions away. I can just let them sit and hang out for as long as they want mm -hmm. whilst I still engage in doing stuff that helps me just live the kind of life I want to live. I think when we get to that point, that's when we truly put everything behind us, you know, mm -hmm. and our whole, I, I just don't think insom like chronic insomnia can just no longer exist once we get to that point. Yeah. And that's a good point too, about like, you know, the, the schedule and stuff the next day. Um, something that was very important to me was not to do that, like not to cancel anything. If you had like no sleep at all, say the, the night before, and you had like a whole calendar of stuff to do, like, just don't cancel it. It's like, it's still going to happen. I can still like, you know, push through this, uh, it makes a huge difference. Cause if you start canceling stuff, um, then that creates that another like load of anxiety at nighttime is like, then your brain associates. So oh, I have a big thing tomorrow. I must sleep, but then you're not going to, because you have a big thing tomorrow. So it's like that spiral again. So I've, I've learned to like, okay, I'm just going to deal with whatever I need to do the next day and it's going to be hard, but whatever. And so now it's like, it's all good again. That's one of those big changes that we can get to, you know, is just recognizing that 
you know, this this week I, I would much rather be asleep, right? Nobody wants to be awake during the night. Um, mm -hmm. But just recognizing that that is out of our control. What do we still have control over? We, we still have control over our actions. So we can still do that stuff during the day. No doubt it's probably going to be more difficult. Um, it's going to require more energy, um, but we can still do those things. You know, mm -hmm. when we're faced with a struggle, we really only have two choices that we can make. You know, we can kind of give up, um, withdraw from life, you know, kind of move away from the kind of life we want to live. Mm -hmm. Or we can recognize what we don't have control over, focus on what we do have control over and still like kind of commit. You know, I think it does take a commitment, commit to doing those things that are important to us, that help yeah. us move toward the kind of life we want to live. They might not feel as good. They might be more difficult because we're not feeling as good as we otherwise might. But the most important thing is just that we're doing them. And I think that really is just so important. Yeah, absolutely. And it's just like a little side note that um, I've from this whole like insomnia experience and being alone by myself at night really um, brought me to my spiritual side. So it's like now I'm more like, well, what is this like? Why is this like uh, this problem on laid on me? Like, what am I learning from this? And um, instead of like, why is this happening to me? It's not fair being the victim. It's like, oh, what is this? What is the gift, you know, like on the other side? And I, th I truly think like a gift is just to share it and have someone listen to the, like my story and, you know, be able to relate to it. So yeah, that was another big kind of like aha moment I had at nighttime. You know, I've had I've had some of the things um, like that before where people just feel once they've kind of made this transformation that we've been talking about, mm -hmm. where they actually can reflect back and think, I don't necessarily think this had a 100 percent negative impact on my life. I think there might have actually been some some good to it. You know, this sounds this is probably sounding crazy to many people listening. How can any mm -hmm. of this be good or have mm -hmm. a positive side? But once we get to that point, where we're able to reflect back. I think the experience can change us perhaps in a way that can be really kind of life enhancing for the future. Yeah. Yeah, for me, at least it was, um, it definitely made me like stronger mentally and definitely made me see the gift that was hidden. I mean, it was hard. I was the victim. I, I had all of that and I was depressed and, you know, it was hard, but like at the end, like I truly like, uh, received it as like, you know, a gift. All right. Well, Vicky, I'm really grateful for all the time that you've spent with us today. I know that lots of people are going to find this discussion really helpful. Um, but I do have one last question for you. It's the same question mm -hmm. that I ask everyone at the end of these discussions. Um, mm -hmm. And it's this. If someone with chronic insomnia is listening and they feel as though they've tried everything, they're beyond help, and they just can't do anything to improve their mm -hmm. sleep, what would you tell them? I would have to say that I've definitely been there. Um, and I thought that there was no help for me. And I felt lonely, um, but I would say and tell them that they're definitely not alone because the theory that was taught by, you know, you, Martin, the insomnia coach, um, is something that really works. Like the, the cognitive and the brain and all of that stuff is that's the key. Um, and there's plenty of help out there. Um, 
and talk about it, talk about your problems. Sometimes, like for me, I felt shameful at times or like everyone has good sleep. Like I'm the only one out there, so I shouldn't really burden them with my problems. Um, so the key is to seek help, I think. Um, and I took from this experience as a lesson again, like I was destined to learn about something about me and yeah, it's, there is like a light at the end of this tunnel. That's great. I, I think that's a positive note to end on. So thanks again for taking mm-hmm. the time out of your day to come onto the podcast, Vicky. Thanks. And you're doing like wonderful work. Uh, you're sharing other people's story, which is like amazing. And I'm very grateful for you for that. Thank you so much. Thanks, Martin. Thanks for listening to the Insomnia Coach podcast. If you're ready to move away from struggling with insomnia and toward living the life you want to live, I would love to help. You can get started right now by enrolling in my online course or you can book my phone coaching package. My online course runs for six weeks. It will help you make changes that can create better conditions for sleep. It will help you identify and get rid of any behaviors that might be making sleep more difficult, and it will help you respond to insomnia and all the difficult thoughts and feelings that come with it in a more workable way. You can work through the course in two ways. You can choose the self-coaching option and work through it by yourself with the support of an online forum that is available only to clients, or you can choose to add one-on-one email coaching and work through the course with me by your side. With the one-on-one coaching option, you get unlimited email access to me for eight weeks, starting from the day you enroll. Anytime you have a question or concern, anytime you're unsure about anything, anytime you want to focus on the challenges you face or any difficulties that show up, you can email me and I will be there to coach and support you. With the phone coaching package, we start with a one hour call, voice only or video, your choice, and come up with an initial two week plan that will help you create better conditions for sleep and practice moving away from struggling with insomnia and all the difficult thoughts and feelings that come with it. You get unlimited email access to me for two weeks after the call and a half hour follow-up call at the end of the two weeks. You can book the phone coaching package at insomniacoach.com forward slash phone. I hope you enjoyed this episode of the Insomnia Coach podcast. I'm Martin Reed, and as always, I'd like to leave you with this important reminder. You can sleep.